Welcome to episode number 161, Moving Mountains of Doubt. As many of you know who have listened to this podcast regularly, I personally experienced bipolar disorder and serious anxiety from as early as I can remember until I was in my early 30s. Now I continue to experience mild depression and that is actually very manageable. One part of my experience, which will be a part of every person's experience with mental illness, encompasses what could be called a disassociation or disconnectedness with one's emotions. This occurs as one's emotions increasingly become controlled by our illness. You know, in my personal experience, as the illness manifests itself in the rational mind and the emotional consciousness begin to deviate from one another, this disassociation of the two major systems that represent our consciousness causes very serious issues throughout the body, including emotional pain, loss of desire, physical symptoms, anxiety, depression, and the many emotional and physical symptoms we so often feel. Now, I've spoken much about these symptoms, that they are truly a misalignment of what is real and what is being felt. Today, I want to discuss something that occurs which causes so many to leave the association of the church and religion in general. It is something I have battled my entire life and continue to work through in various ways. It is a battle every person who experiences mental illness will fully understand. As our emotions deviate from reality and our rational senses detect the deviation, we can and we do begin to disassociate ourselves from our emotions, meaning simply we begin to distrust what we feel. We eventually come to full distrust that we are feeling all the time. Now this distrust in our motivational and life-directing system embedded so deeply in our mortal life causes a host of perplexing problems for which there really exist limited answers. Now while I like the word distrust in our emotional system, what we find is that religiously the experience is described as doubt. With this doubt, in our emotional system, we will struggle to find grounding in our life, much less solid grounding. When you distrust what you feel, you find that you doubt almost everything in life. More importantly, perhaps, you will find it seriously difficult to obtain and maintain a testimony of any part of gospel life. I want to just talk today about this mountain of doubt we all encounter and then, in some ways, how we can face it head-on. One thing we need to understand is that our emotional system establishes our system of beliefs. Belief, and its opposite, doubt, are actually emotions. Yes, they are influenced by the rational mind, but our beliefs are recorded, saved, and recalled as emotions through our experiences. It is very important that our beliefs live in our emotional system. It is that system that motivates us to action. It is where our testimony and spiritual experiences are stored and recalled. This is how the Spirit can motivate and inspire us. The Spirit does not inspire us saying, it is, a ra it is rationally important that you visit your grandmother today. It motivates us to actual actuality by inspiring emotion. That system is instrumental in all parts of living the gospel. Doubt, in a spiritual sense, is an emotion. Now, it comes to us in two ways. The first is through our rational system. We can hear or learn something from a trusted source. That 
trusted source is actually incredibly important, and so is our level of trust in the source. Now when we hear this information that contradicts our current beliefs and believe that it might be true, because of the trust in the source, the emotional system sends us the signal of doubt. This is simply the mind and the emotional system evaluating the new information and belief against what is already established belief. Doubt is that feeling when our mind is deciding what our belief system should be and whether it should be altered to include the new knowledge or experience or that that new knowledge needs to be discarded. Remember, our mind does not like this type of ambiguity. It abhors the unknown and so doubt can actually bring forth pretty serious distress and pain until a decision is made and the belief system becomes whole again. Now the reason for this distress is so that the decision will be made quickly. We rely heavily on our system of beliefs, and doubt is not a pleasant feeling because it represents the unknown. Now what do you think would happen if you disassociate yourself from this system because it has been altered by genetics, life experiences, and perhaps an emotional illness? Now when I say disassociate, it does not mean that we have entirely abandoned our belief system. I don't believe that we can fully do that and still live our lives, but we can abandon portions of it. What would happen if you had to abandon a portion of your system of beliefs because it is causing you serious emotional distress? Well, the answer is easy for those of us who have experienced it. We will struggle deeply with the decisions regarding our beliefs. When we cut off our connection to portions of this emotional system, it is as if we have lost that portion of our emotional memory and connection. I don't think that it's a large leap of understanding to see how detrimental this is to our faith and testimony. To have faith, to have a testimony, one must be able to recall spiritual emotional experiences and then to build upon them. I know a couple of individuals, in fact several individuals, and I know that there are many who were abused by either family or church members as an experience as a, an example now in order to remove the distress suffering and pain of the abuse these individuals have blocked that portion of their emotional system it is a natural coping mechanism and there's no shame or sin when this occurs it occurs so they can continue to move forward without the distress and pain however connected with the abuse and residing in the same emotional system is a testimony of the gospel that has now become intertwined with the emotional abuse. Now, I don't believe that these individuals have lost their testimony. I believe that they have simply blocked that emotional connection because of the serious trauma that occurred during those formative years of testimony. I believe, as an example, that when mental illness occurs, we block these emotional connections that are causing doubt and distress. That doubt, that signal, is telling you something is wrong with the emotional belief system and needs addressed. Now, almost all individuals who suffer with mental illness will disassociate themselves from portions or, at times, all of their emotional belief system as a coping mechanism. This, in turn, causes serious doubts to occur as we limit our access to that system that contains the foundation of our testimony, spiritual motivation, and our faith. This type of coping comes to limit the pain and distress and is often not a conscious decision. If we maintain a deep connection to our emotional belief system, 
the pain and the distress is significantly amplified. When that, be when that pain becomes too deep and the distress becomes too troubling, we actually entirely cut ourselves off from our belief system or that emotional system. When we do this, we actually lose our identity. And this leads to losing our desire to live. It is not difficult for someone to see that if they lost their connection to their emotional system or their belief system because of mental illness, how it could eventually lead to suicide. I have spoken much on suicide, but I can tell you in my experience, reaching the point of suicide often comes at this point where you cannot live with your emotional belief system and you cannot live without it. Now, personally, if you feel this way, please get some help. Fighting suicide simply cannot be just a personal thing. Now, the consequences of this disassociation are painfully obvious when considering spiritual beliefs that are contained within our emotional belief system. We will doubt even the very foundations of what we believe, and we will struggle to believe anything new. We can feel as though we have entirely lost what we once held to be true. However, that is not the case that we have lost anything, but that we have limited our access to it for good reasons, for coping mechanism reasons, to avoid the pain and the distress. Our testimony and our spiritual experience is still intact, and we still have access to it, but it will take removing or moving that mountain of doubt and distress and pain that follows. Now, I have great compassion for anyone who suffers as I understand the difficulties that come with mental illness and the disassociation of our emotional system. This leads to a consistent struggle with the gospel as we have limited, really, access to our spiritual experiences, our foundational beliefs, and our life decision-making center. When doubt comes to us as our illness forges a destructive path through our emotional consciousness, it feels as though the world we have built has come crashing down, and we are standing in the rubble, not fully understanding why or how. I've been there. I have walked in the rubble and the ashes, wondering, what do I do now? How do I move forward? And ultimately, if I build it again, that emotional connection, will I end up in this same place? That is the mountain of doubt we face as members of the Lord's Church with mental illness. I know that our testimony returns once we have our illness under good management. Now, I have felt mine return again and again as I have reestablished my emotional connection to my belief system. However, there is no easy answer to our mountain of doubt. Certainly, if there were, we would find it and rush to it. But the easy answers do not exist, and there are good reasons for that. However, there are, it is important that you know and understand a few things. We can run around looking for that easy answer and become terribly discouraged when we find nothing exists. The answer to moving mountains of doubt is actually quite simple, but it isn't easy. We have to reconnect with our emotional belief system, where we have severed those ties while coping with the distress and illness of distress and pain of our mental illness. Before you get too concerned about needing to reconnect, and I can almost feel your anxiety when I say those words, understand that you don't have to do it all at once, and you don't have to do it tomorrow, and you don't have to do it alone. 
it will be a process. And if I'm honest, it is one that I continue to learn. My experiences in my youth and my younger adult life were of such a nature that I severed ties to much of my emotional system at such a level that I personally still struggle at times to trust my emotions in certain situations. It has been more than 15 years since I received a healing blessing allowing for my illness to subside and for me to begin this emotional healing process, and I admit that I'm probably not there yet. That might sound terribly defeating to someone who is struggling, but it really shouldn't. You see, the Lord fully understands what is happening and has happened to us, and He allows for us to heal over time, piece by piece, part by part, until we can fully regain trust in our testimony and belief system. I can promise you that you cannot fully heal this emotional connectedness without Him. So how do you go about it? How do you reconnect and begin to trust a system that has caused you serious doubts, pain, and distress? Now, is there a pattern, a step-by-step -step guide? The answer to how depends upon the why of your mental illness. For me, my mental illness was not triggered by a traumatic event. My mental illness was more of a product of my genetics, and perhaps certain parts of my life played a role in it, as it always does. For me, because I never had a good connection to my emotional beliefs, I had to learn to establish one. I had to learn from the very beginning to trust my emotions at a very basic level. That takes time, experience, and being able to have a short memory. In reestablishing these connections, I was going to feel, and I did, things and believe things that were not correct. Now, the easiest way to explain this in a more concrete idea is to view it for the, through the perspective of personal revelation. For the most part, our personal revelation comes through our emotional belief system. Yes, we can hear a voice in our head, but even then we need that confirming feelings that nudge us forward and motivate us. When we struggle with our system, our personal revelation can feel more like listening to a dozen radio stations at once and just trying to pick out one station. Even when we pick out one and can hear the voice, we don't even know if it's the right one. When you start to reconnect with this system, you will feel all types of emotional revelation. Some of it will be correct and others will be not. But instead of becoming frustrated, which you will do at times, and leaving the whole process, we chalk it up to learning how the Spirit speaks to us through our emotions. I don't know how or why we come to believe this, but somehow we think that personal revelation and learning the emotional connections to the Spirit should just come naturally without any issues. They don't, because of our mortal bodies. And learning to listen to that emotional system takes time, effort, and experience. And if you have mental illness, it's going to take much more time, much more effort, and much more experience. That is the first lesson of reconnecting with your emotional system and moving that mountain. It will take time, effort, and experience to begin to trust your emotions again. Don't worry about the mistakes. Besides, we learn far more from our mistakes than we do from our success. The second lesson of learning or relearning emotional connectedness is when we approach this problem and begin to connect and search our feelings, all of those issues and beliefs that we left behind that were causing us to doubt are still going to be there. Shutting yourselves off from the system doesn't remove the doubt and our need to reconcile it. You should expect it to be right where you left it and maybe even a little more irritated. 
you're going to have to face your struggles head on and with a high level of patience and tolerance. For you to fully reconnect, you will need to work through all of those issues, causing you to doubt. For my friends who have been abused, bullied, targeted, laughed at, ridiculed, and persecuted in so many ways, you will have to face those issues. We have to weed through the jungle that has now grown around those issues, cut it down, and resolve the doubt that has occurred. This is probably the most difficult thing you will ever do in your life, and you will need copious amounts of help to do so. If your emotional distress has been caused by a traumatic event or a series of them, you will need to work through the emotional healing process that often takes individuals on this earth, and at least one in heaven, although I tend to think there are many helping us from that side. Some individuals will need to see a counselor and talk through the concerns and what has occurred. The purpose of this talk is not to recount the pain and the suffering and to relive it, but to provide a guide to that reconnected emotions. Counselors are trained to do this and provide a resource and an outside voice to find that pathway, that peace and connectedness. If you decide not to see a counselor, and I understand that, there are often other individuals in your life who will listen and help in various ways. I would strongly recommend that you go to the Savior first to ask who should help you. Sometimes friends, family, and even spiritual leaders may not be the best choice. Ultimately, whomever you choose will need the guiding influence of the Spirit of the Lord to help. These are the people you need to choose. That is why I recommend a church counselor if possible. This doesn't mean that other counselors cannot help or be guided by the Lord. It just means that they are more likely that they will be able to help you in the right way. The second lesson in moving mountains of doubt is that we're going to face them and work through them, and we need others to help us. The third lesson is my favorite part of it. When we know what we must do, and the task is far beyond our capacity and is daunting to the point that we quit before we start, then we always have the Savior to turn into in our need. That can be difficult depending on upon which parts of your emotional system you have disconnected. But even then, when, when we have cut ourselves off from him, even for a long time, our spirit remembers. Remember, we have a spirit inside of us that has a great deal of experience with the Savior. And he is not concerned that you have cut him off for many years. He is concerned with helping you to work through your mountains of doubt. He will not chastise you tell you that you should have come sooner, he will not even remind you of the poor choices you might have made. He knows why you made those choices to cut yourself off from that belief system. He knows the pain, the distress, and why you use that particular coping mechanism. And he is not concerned about the why. He is concerned how he can help you to reconnect, heal, and repair that emotional connection so that you can remove that mountain of doubt. Even a simple prayer will provide miracles you never thought were possible and start you on a path that leads to a wonderful place. The third lesson is that you were never alone and you never are, and he is waiting for you to ask. Fourth and finally, as you undertake this process, be patient with yourself. Don't condemn yourself. Don't punish yourself. Mental illness is one of the most challenging trials anyone will face in this life. I personally believe that it is reserved for only certain individuals with whom the Lord has great love. 
For the scriptures do teach the Lord chastises those whom he loves the most. I don't like personally like the word chastise from the scriptures as it tends to connotate punishment. I actually prefer the words sanctifying trial rather than chastise. You did not come to mental illness as a punishment or as a random experience in this life. You have come here because the Lord truly loves you and needs to sanctify you so you can again return to his presence. I know that mental illness does not feel this way in any sense of that word, but that is what a sanctifying trial. But that is what it is, a sanctifying trial that will prove to be your exalting experience. Now, as you face your mountain of doubt and attempt to move it, I hope that you will find healing and peace that you so deserve. And I fully believe that you deserve that peace and healing. And I know that you will find it as you search for it with the Savior. That search might take time and effort and more patience than you thought you could ever have. But I know that you can be healed and then heal others. May the Lord bless you and keep you safely in his arms. Until next week, do your part to face the mountain of doubt and the Lord will most certainly do his. Now, for those of you who use the transcript portion of these podcasts, I have included some additional insights on the subject about our belief systems. I hope you will enjoy them. Again, hope to see you next week.